Forgiveness, it's a complicated concept, and it's also our worship theme for this month. We've all had experiences where we've sought or were asked to give forgiveness. I'm going to tell you about a couple of my experiences. When I was 17, my dad left home. I watched him from my upstairs bedroom window carrying loads of things out to the car. Even though my parents had kind of prepared me for this eventuality, I was distraught. I couldn't believe that my parents might actually go through with a divorce. And watching my dad leave really hurt. School was out a couple of months later, and a friend and I decided to walk around the lake at a local state park. It was a beautiful summer day. We were enjoying our walk, and we came upon this couple that were near the edge of the lake. There was a blanket there, and the man was napping on a blanket in the shade, and the woman was kind of tending to their fishing poles. And the woman smiled at me, and I was about to say hello, but then I noticed the man on the blanket was my dad. I was shocked and deeply hurt, but I just, I just kept walking. I was too stunned to speak. I felt really wounded and really angry at my dad, and I cried and I cried, and I thought, how could he be out enjoying this day with another woman when I was still reeling from the hurt of his leaving home? So in this story, I was on the receiving end of the hurt. And one of the realities of life is that the people we love are going to disappoint us. They're going to hurt us sooner or later, seldom or often, intentionally or unintentionally, in little ways or big ways. The people we care about are going to hurt us, and that's just the way it is. It's part of being human. Everyone in this room has been hurt by someone they loved or trusted or respected. Some of us have even been hurt by complete strangers. Those many hurts range from perceived slights to the gravest of wrongdoings. What does it mean to forgive those who have hurt us? So let's fast forward about 20 years from that day when I unexpectedly encountered my dad at the lake. So 20-some years later, now I'm divorced, and I'm home at night with my two children. I'm really tired, and I'm hoping to spend some quality time with my new boyfriend, Gary Lawrence. <laughs> but my six-year-old son, Paul, will not stay in bed. It's getting really late, and everything that I try doesn't work to settle him down. And finally, even though I don't want to be the kind of parent who spanks her children, I'm at my wit's end. So I swat him a few good ones on his little behind, but it doesn't seem to make a difference. He just keeps getting up and getting up and getting up no matter what I do or say, and he doesn't seem to be able to tell me what he really needs or wants. So finally, I really lose it. And I gave him the spanking of his life. 
In spanking my son, Paul, I hurt someone I love. I don't think I crossed the line into abuse, but I know that spanking didn't feel good. I'm sure that Paul probably felt bad because he was scared or confused or insecure about having some new man in the house, even though he couldn't really express his feelings. And I just wasn't being understanding. So in this story about my son and me, I'm really the guilty party. I'm the one doing the hurting. One of the realities of life is that we are going to disappoint the people we love. We are going to hurt others sooner or later, seldom or often, intentionally or inadvertently, in little ways or big ways. We will hurt other people, ones who mean a lot to us and others who might be acquaintances or perfect strangers, and that's just the way it is. It's part of being human. Everyone in this room has hurt someone who loved or trusted or respected them. The hurts that all of us have caused range from unintended slights to serious breaches of trust. And we may even have committed some kind of grave harm. What does it mean to ask for forgiveness? To be forgiven? How do we forgive ourselves? I once read a book called Amish Grace about the forgiveness extended by an Amish community after a gunman entered their schoolhouse in 2007 and killed five of their children and wounded five others. And today I'm not really talking about the kind of forgiveness that applies to terrible tragedies like that one, but I would like to quote the authors of Amish Grace. They said, Forgiveness is a concept everyone understands until they're asked to define it. I'm going to offer a simple definition of forgiveness this morning. It's called from many sources and experiences. Here's my definition. To forgive is to let go of a past hurt, to relinquish the power that that memory of that hurt has over your emotional and spiritual well-being. To forgive is to let go of a past hurt. To relinquish the power that the memory of that hurt has over your emotional and spiritual well-being. Whether you need to forgive someone else or you need to forgive yourself, the definition of forgiveness is the same. To forgive, we have to let go of the hurt, the anger, and the shame. We have to release or relinquish the power that the memory of that offense has over us. We have to refuse to be held hostage by the past. We have to refuse to feed the anger and the hurt, or maybe even the shame that remains. Try not. We have to try not to allow bitter feelings and negativity to define us. So when we can't do this, we need to get some help. When I was working as a chaplain, we had a term for the kind of forgiveness that lacks authenticity, the kind that is offered 
really quickly without acknowledging the hurt involved. We call that pseudo-forgiveness cheap grace. We all use cheap grace at times. The quick apology, the smile, the insincere, I'm sorry, or the automatic, oh, it's okay, that sometimes we might say after someone has hurt us. These are examples of cheap grace. These kind of knee-jerk interactions may be well-intended, but they often come from a place of, of making nice and really don't acknowledge the pain that was caused. An easy I'm sorry usually means we haven't really accepted responsibilities for our words and actions, or we really don't understand the impact that our words or actions had on the person we've hurt or offended. In fact, we may be saying I'm sorry to avoid conflict and appease our own feelings of guilt without really considering the other person. Similarly, when we reflexively say, oh, it's okay, I forgive you, we are not honoring our own feelings. We're not standing up for our right to be treated with compassion and respect. We are only kind of perpetuating a shallow and essentially meaningless social nicety. Real forgiveness isn't easy. It requires some soul-searching and hard personal work. And once we've been hurt, we have the natural tendency to try to protect ourselves from further hurt. We humans seem to be programmed to avoid pain and to seek pleasure or comfort. And once injured, we try to protect ourselves from further hurt by holding on to the anger by nursing our grudges, by building strong walls around our hearts. The work of forgiveness is, in reality, a spiritual practice that requires intentional effort on a daily basis, sometimes on an hourly basis, to banish thoughts of anger and revenge, to replace them with loving and peaceful thoughts. If we're honest with ourselves, we know that forgiveness doesn't happen instantaneously. To seek forgiveness means to acknowledge our culpability, to admit our wrongdoing, to understand how our words or actions impacted another person, to stop and sincerely say, I am sorry for the hurt I have caused you. To offer forgiveness is to let go of that past hurt. Again, to relinquish the memory of that hurt that has power over you, to relinquish vindictive and poor me thoughts, to gradually learn to replace them with calm and healing thoughts. Now, did anyone notice that my definition of forgiveness didn't say anything about reconciliation? I only alluded to the possibility of repairing or maintaining relationships Reconciliation is the ideal next step on the forgiveness path. It doesn't always happen, and it isn't a necessary part of forgiveness. However, forgiveness is a prerequisite for true reconciliation. Reconciliation can be accomplished when both parties are willing and able. Sometimes we simply get stuck in those ruts of cheap grace where all 
we have or all we get are the insincere apologies or lackluster words of forgiveness, but the offenses and the hurts continue to pile up. And at other times, we just limit our relationship or end relationship rather than deal with the effort to repair what may seem to be too broken. There are those times when reconciliation is not possible or entirely inappropriate if it means putting yourself in harm's way. Reconciliation is a step beyond forgiveness, and it is a worthy goal. It is certainly the goal of Yom Kippur, otherwise known as the Day of Atonement, the Day of At-One-Ment. Getting right with God, however you may understand God. Getting into right relationships with others in your life to the best of your ability. Why do we carry around packs with us? Sometimes we hang on to our guilt or shame when we've hurt someone else because we think we deserve to suffer. We feel we've somehow given up the right to experience love or peace or happiness. Such a stance against forgiveness defies the very principles of Unitarian Universalism. It doesn't honor the worth and dignity of others or of ourselves. When we hang on to negative thoughts, we stymie our own spiritual growth. We limit opportunities for our own healing and wholeness, and we block possibilities for reconciliation. I never told my dad about that day I saw him in the park. I came to understand that that unexpected encounter I had was in no way intended to hurt me, even though I took it very personally at the time. The woman there with my dad, well, she eventually became my stepmother. And many years later, I helped her care for my dad during the last weeks of his life. Somehow during those final days, I found the courage to say, Dad, there are times you have hurt and disappointed me. And I know there are times I have probably hurt or disappointed you too. I forgive you, and I hope you'll be able to forgive me. I'm really glad I was able to do that. He died a few days later. But I know it wouldn't be easy necessarily for everyone based on their family histories. I have read, though, that grudges fade quickly when you're faced with losing the ones you love. And I found that to be true. What about my son, Paul? He's 30 now. He definitely still remembers the spanking incident. I've apologized lots and lots of times, and we still laugh about it sometimes. We still carry a little bit of shame about not living up to my own expectations. So maybe I haven't forgiven myself 100%. But the good news is that Paul and I have a good relationship. Um, The new boyfriend forgave me for losing my cool and is now my husband, and he and Paul have a good relationship too. 
Not all such stories have happy endings. Not all hurt, anger, or conflict gets resolved. Still, as Unitarian Universalists, we have hope. We work towards justice, equity, and compassion in our daily lives and in our churches, right? When I began my internship at the Unitarian Universalist Society of Geneva, Illinois, even though I was in my mid-40s and had been an active UU for a number of years, I realized I brought a very idealistic expectation with me into that internship. I believed that everyone there would do their darndest to be their best selves all the time, (laughs) to get along, to demonstrate perpetual kindness in words and deeds. I really believed that, but it didn't take long for that bubble to burst. Congregations would be great if it weren't for the people in them, right? (laughs) We know that congregations are made up of perfectly imperfect people, human beings who have the capacity to hurt and be hurt, sometimes inadvertently, sometimes in anger. We all have bad days. We all fall prey to being kind of stuck in our own stuff, totally wrapped up in our own reality and oblivious to others' needs and oblivious really to our own highest intentions. A friend gave me a book for Christmas called Tiny Buddha's 365 Tiny Love Challenges. I recently read a selection, A Tiny Love Challenge, written by Jamie Jo Huang. I'm going to tell you her story. Because I think it's the kind of thing that sometimes happens in our churches, but we maybe don't always exert the same self-control that Jamie was able to in this story. Jamie was having a really, really bad day. She went to the grocery store. She had several items in her basket, and she's walking down the aisle, and another lady bumped into her and knocked everything out of her basket onto the floor. Jamie let fly a few curse words. She was... (laughs) I don't know how old Jamie was. Old enough to know some curse words. And as she was uh, picking up her things, she was just ready to give that lady a piece of her mind. And she looked up, and the woman said, this is the worst day I've ever had. And Jamie saw in that other woman a look of despair that she had seen in the mirror in her own face at times. And so... Together, they picked up the items, and Jamie said, why don't we go to the coffee bar here in the store and just relax and chat for a few minutes? During their chat, Jamie learned that this other woman, whose name I don't know, had just come from the doctor's office and been given a diagnosis of stage 4 breast cancer. So, Jamie was really glad that she had curbed the angry response that was on the tip of her tongue. And this is what Jamie wrote following that incident. No one carries a sign on their back advertising their problems, so I can't ever know what someone else's life is like unless they tell me. But if an act of kindness has the ability to shift someone's day into a better one, why not try to be 
that change? That's a good lesson for us all. Yet we know we've all fallen short of it in the past and will probably do so in the future. We're human. As hard as we strive to be perfect, there will still be times when we hurt others, when kindness would have been a better response. In our personal lives, in our worlds of work and volunteering, and yes, even in this congregation. So this morning, I'm going to invite you to take the first step of forgiveness together by acknowledging our need to forgive and be forgiven. But before we do that, I want to remind you that we have some resources right here. I'm available if you feel you need to talk to someone about ways you've been hurt or hurt others and the feelings that you're carrying around. Both I and the members of our committee on shared ministry are available to listen and to assist you in taking steps of forgiveness and reconciliation. I'd like to ask the members of the Committee on Shared Ministry to please stand as I call your names. Patricia Burr, Diane Davis, Alan Dumont Bowl, Burl Schultz, oh, Alan went out, and Mark Stonebreaker, who's not here today. Thank you. We are um, working on educating ourselves to um, help with some conflict resolution or help people process feelings. And it used to be that you thought of the Committee on Ministry as the minister's fan club. (laughs) That is not what we are. We are the Committee on Shared Ministry, and we look at how we can minister to one another more effectively. So now I'm going to continue our service on forgiveness with a ritual of forgiveness adapted from the writings of Rabbi Chaim Stern. And I invite you to close your eyes if you're comfortable doing so. You may hear your tummies growling because we're going to run a few minutes long, but I think think this is... um, I hope you find it helpful. So these are words from Yom Kippur, and I invite you now into a time of reflection. Once more atonement day, at one day has come. All pretense gone, naked heart revealed, to the hiding self. We stand on holy ground between the day that was and the one that must be. We tremble. At what did we aim? Stumble. What did we take? What did we give? To what were we blind? 
Last year's confession came easily to the lips. Will this year's come from deeper than skin? As flowers that fall from trees and plants after the fullness of their bloom fades, so too the moments of our lives bloom before our eyes. In this time of silence, look across the moments of the last year, watching the memories move gently out of view. Were there moments of regret, moments of misunderstanding? If they can be reconciled, make a commitment to do so. If they cannot, mourn them. Say in your mind, I am sorry. Forgive yourself and then let them go. Were there moments of joy? See them. Feel them as they go by. Smile at the memories and let them go. Turn to the past year. Watch the memories fall before your mind's eye like leaves and flowers. Let them fall. Let them go. Prepare for the fresh page of this new day. Let us strive to forgive one another and begin again in love. And I'd like to invite Jay Jenkins forward to do our stewardship moment.